Thank you. If you could turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter number 9. Lately in the past couple of churches we've had, we've had a bigger pulpit, so my notes fit nicely. Matthew chapter 9, and we'll, ver- we'll start in verse number 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the, tr- the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And when he had called unto him, his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Skip down to verse number five. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not, in, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. For the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when, he came, and when ye come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if, the house, but if it be not worthy, let your peace return, un, return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust off of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Father, I ask that you would take what is going to be said today, and Lord, let it be your words, not mine. Lord, I ask that you would work in hearts, Lord, as you've worked so many times in mine. Lord, help us to be a better witness for you, in your name, amen. So, in these verses, in verse 36, we see that he saw the multitudes, Christ himself, the God of heaven saw the multitudes. He knew already of their need, but he saw the multitudes. He didn't just see it for his benefit. He pointed it out, and and thus we have it in scripture. Um, But he was moved with compassion. You ask, who was he moved on? He was moved on the multitudes, or the lost. We still have the lost with us today. They're all around us. Many times it's our neighbors and our co-workers that we haven't yet witnessed to. He saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion on them for our benefit. He pointed them out for the disciples' benefit, but for ours as well. As an example, our message is dead, but for the compassion of the, uh, for the souls with whom we share the gospel. If we don't have compassion, 
what is our message? The Catholics have a message as well. The Jehovah's Witness have a message, but do they show compassion? We are to have compassion for the souls of mankind. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. A saying that we've all heard probably many times, but it's amazing just how profound it actually is when you take the time to understand it. He said to pray for laborers in verse number um, 38. Let's read now just verse 38 and then we'll go back. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There you have Christ himself giving a prayer request. But without understanding the reason behind the prayer request, we can pray for laborers. But if we go back to verse 37, the last portion of it, it says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Now we know the reason for the prayer request. I, I told you just a few minutes ago, in Italy there are 18 independent Baptist mission works. Many of them new, some of them very, very small. One of the missionaries that we were privileged to be with when we were over there on our survey trip they have the most established church that we all know of as the missionaries that are either going or are there. They have their own building. They're the only one in all of Italy that has their own building. They're, they've got a... Um, when we were there, their congregation was about 50, I would say. And it's a big thing over there to own your own building because things are very expensive over there with such a large population. But they own their own building, and they're able to reach out because they've got a congregation that is a little bit larger. They're able to do more, as with larger congregations, that should be the case. But that is one case out of 18. Most of them are about this size of a church or a smaller congregation. So you have the pastor, uh, I should say the missionary over there. They act more of a, of a pastor on the mission field. But you have the missionary and his family and maybe two or three other families. You don't have a very large congregation. But just because the congregation is small doesn't mean we can't do something. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We understand now the reason for the prayer request. If we could have more laborers, more missionaries throughout the whole world, but yet the more, the country of Italy, we'd be able to reach more. But we need more to be able to go. Since we've been on deputation, I'd say we've heard of at least three other couples, three other families that are headed to Italy, but they're all on deputation. They're all heading there eventually. So we'll have up to 22, 23 churches but they're not there yet. They're working to get there. So we still need to pray for laborers. But until the world has been reached, this prayer request stands. We need more laborers to reach them. Like I said, if we read verse 38 without verse 37, 
we don't quite understand the reason for the prayer request. But if we read it in sync, then we'll understand it like Christ put it together. Hudson Taylor was asked by one of his newer converts, how long have you had the glad tidings in your country? And Hudson Taylor replied, some hundreds of years, reluctantly. The young convert said, what hundreds of years? My father sought the truth and died without finding it. Oh, why did you not come sooner? The same thing can be said about our country. We were founded on Christian principles. We've had the gospel since our beginning. We used to be one of the biggest countries to send out missionaries. And now they're coming to our field. They're coming to our shores. We are a mission field. We've always been a mission field, but now the rest of the world is seeing it. It is often the newest believer that is the, mo that is the most on fire for Christ to do something, to tell their friends, their loved ones, their neighbors. They have the most zeal to do something for Christ. From verse 38 of chapter 9 to verse 1 of chapter 10, there is no paragraph break. There is no um, day break, if you will. It goes from one into the, another, uh, into the next. So he told them to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And then he turned around, essentially, and said, okay, I've told you to pray. Now you go into that harvest. There was no breaking point. There was no years. There was no days. Like we often mentally think of when we see a chapter break, we just kind of put into there, okay, there's a break here in time. But it's not inspired. It says, and when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. Verse number five. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. There he gave them the go ye therefore moment as we refer to in um, the end of Matthew. He sent them out. He didn't just say, okay, for this time being, pray for someone to go. He said, pray, now you go. Like he told all of us in scripture here, this is an example for us. We're to pray for laborers to go, but we're not to be exclusive in praying for laborers to go. We're to take that example and we're to go ourselves. We all have a mission field around us. Ours changes almost daily. It's wherever we hang our hat. But as we make our stops, as we are uh, going around doing different things around home, as each of us here, we have friends and neighbors that we come across. We have people that we come across in the grocery stores at the gas stations. We can do something in sharing the gospel. We don't have to wait for that scheduled time of the week when we go as a church to go soul winning. We can do something here and now. So he commanded, he sent them out. Next we see he commanded all of us 
to tell others. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28. In verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He gave us all that go ye therefore command. These are also the last words of Christ. Often as a culture, we'll put a lot of weight on a person's last words. We may not have known what those last moments were with a person, but those last words that we heard from them will put a lot of weight on. We must keep in focus these last words of Christ with the same condition. They're the last words that we have of Christ, some of the last ones. Why do we not obey it as a Christian community? Why do we not obey it every day? Daily, we have, we, like I said, we come across people that have never heard, even in our own country, our own towns. But do we share the gospel with them? These last words, we call them the Great Commission. We tell them, we call it that for a good reason. It's a commission that involves all of us. So therefore, it is great in number, but great in duty as well. The glad tidings. Turn over into uh, John chapter 3. Verses that we all know. Verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. These are This verse is one that most kids, it's their first verse that they learn. Beyond, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, and be ye kind. Two of the, word, two of the verses that our boys are learning right now that we're just trying to get them to put it into practice. But this is one of the very first verses that kids learn. But it goes on. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If we just learned and memorized these two verses, we can give the gospel to a co-worker. And when that sparks interest, we can just be working. I'm, I'm thinking when I was working at a um, secular job, we did a lot of manufacturing, but it was with our hands. So we worked next to somebody, and we worked on a piece. We could have conversation throughout the day. If we just learn these two verses and learn to explain them fully, if we just memorize them and explain them to a friend, to a coworker, we've got normally about eight hours in a shift. But in there, we've got breaks. And if we can show them the gospel in conversation, we've got breaks that we can take our Bible and we can go through the Romans road and we can witness during that time. 
if, all, if that's all we do, we're reaching someone. They say that if Christians as a whole, the whole, uh, I should say, all the churches, if we each as individuals would reach one person a year and teach them to do the same throughout that year, reach someone the next year, we'd be able to reach our entire world in less than 10 years. But that's Christians as individuals. That's not the first, the full-time Christian workers, the pastors, the missionaries. That's not just them. It's impossible to do in our lifetime if we just rely on the Christian, the full-time Christian workers. We can all do something. If we've been discipled, we know how to disciple another. But there's, uh, this day and age, we've got curriculums that we can go through that we can use to reach others. After they've been reached, we can disciple them. Go back to um, Matthew, the, uh, the, uh, Matthew chapter 28. Verse number 19. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's reaching them. We can all reach them with the gospel. I mean, many people on their deathbeds get reached. If that's all we can do, we're still reaching them. We're still saving them from the fire of hell. But then it goes on, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's the next step. First, reaching them with the gospel, getting them saved. Then it goes into baptism. And that's many times where we stop as churches. But verse 20 is very important. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's discipleship. In a whole, it's teaching them all things. If it's in the scripture, we're to teach them. We're to expound on it. How do we expect them to grow, many times even to the point of baptism, if we don't disciple? And that's where we've dropped the ball. The emphasis for so many years has been get them saved. Yes, it's very important, but we can't stop there. If we're going to have them reach someone else to be able to accomplish the Great Commission, we've got to teach them all things. What we have here is the example, the pattern for reaching the world. If we can't reach the world using this pattern, we might as well just hang up our hats. This is God's pattern. We can't do it by our own new methods. We have to stay with the old way. It's the only thing that works. Yes, there are different, different forms of the old way. We can, I know one of the missionaries that before they even, they were on deputation and when they were um, over there, uh, I, not over there, when they were on deputation over in Italy, they started Facebook, um, Facebook ads with the gospel. And they spoke um, Ital Italian pretty fluently because they were over there. He was over there for work for three months at a time, a couple of different times, which is what God used to call them over there. 
But while they were on deputation here in the States, they had that going through Facebook. And I believe at one time they had over two million views of that. They were using a new method to accomplish the old method, if you will. They weren't just using the old method of we've got to do it face to face. But they were using the technology of today to accomplish God's way, God's method. We can't just get them into the, uh, the uh, church with the rock concerts of today. We've got to stick with the old way, which, thank you, Pastor, there are a lot of churches that haven't been. We've been in a couple of them, unbeknownst to us that they were leaning more towards that direction. But it's good to be in a church that still sticks with the old hymns, that still sticks with the old way of doing things. But that, that conversation with the young convert that, that Hudson Taylor had, it stuck with him for the rest of his life. He still remembered it on his deathbed, and it still burdened him for the country of China. Today, we don't even know how many Christians there are in China. They say, a guesstimate is over two million, but they're underground. Because of Hudson Taylor, he was the very first missionary, let alone the first white man, to go inland China. God used him in such a way because he saw that there was a need. All we have to do is step out of these four walls. And if we're looking through the right lenses, we can see the need in our own town. We can see that there's loss around us. We can see that there's a need for the gospel. And that's what God's called us to do, is take that gospel that he gave to us, take the gospel over to Italy, reach those people so that they can turn and reach their people. Just like if we had a missionary come to our shores to be a missionary, to plant a church, it's not as accepted as when we go reach our own people. It's the same thing over there. A missionary can do, can do some, and they can even do much. But when a native of that country reaches their own people, they see that there's something different. What, may, what drew this person that I've known was Catholic all their life? What drew them to such a faith? And when they see the truth, they grab a hold of it. It's the same thing we're planning to do when we get over there. Reach them so that they can turn and reach their own people so that we can reach the country of Italy. God's going to do such a work over there, and we're looking forward to it. We really are. But God's going to do a work here, too. He's been doing a work. I remember coming up here when we were talking last night, and it's been probably 20 years since I was up here. It's hard to believe that I'm even able to say it's been 20 years and I remember it. But it's been about 20 years, and I remember some of the, vaguely, vaguely remember, some of the very first members that were here some of the faces, I don't know any names. But I know that there's been a lot of turnover here since then. I mean, 
in 20 years, a lot happens. But it's good to see that people are still faithful. It's good to see that God does a work in such an area, such a small town. It gives us hope for small towns in Italy. It gives us hope for small towns across the world. And again, I'm just glad to see that God's still doing a work. He hasn't changed his plan. He can still do he can still move mountains. Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, as you've you've worked in our heart and moved us to such a to such a place as Italy. Lord, I ask that you would work in hearts here. I ask that you would uh, just work in our life once again as you have so many times to burden us for the lost around us. Lord, we all have neighbors. Many times they've never heard. And if they have, they can hear again. Lord, we ask that you would just burden our hearts for our friends, our families, our neighbors, the people in our community to reach them so that we can do a greater work for you in your name. Amen.